Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday, Haley. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday, Dan. You're listening to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. And yeah, we've got so many things planned. We're going to just hit the ground running. So many paint topics today. Right. Lots of stuff and good stuff. At the end of the show, you're going to want to be here for that. Well, you're going to want to be here for the whole show. Regardless. Right. But at the end of the show, we're going to give away two $100 gift certificates to two lucky listeners. And we are going to do that every week through October. So this is the month to listen. If there were any month. Well, every month is the month (laughs) to listen. But right now, especially so, you're going to want to listen. We'll get to that. We'll also be talking about the fall painting window. When you can paint in the fall, when you need to just stop doing that outside work. We've got all that info. But right now, let's talk about plaster. Yes, I'm excited to talk about plaster. Yeah, that sounds absolutely riveting. It sounds ridiculous, but it's actually so interesting. Well, the whole thing came about, we're going to start with the history of plaster, which is way bigger than I I have ever imagined. Yeah, and I guess I should know better. Like, I took art history classes, Mm -hmm. so maybe I should have put the pieces together, but I just never really. Connected all the dots. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's there's a lot going on, and we're going to get to that. And then in the following segment, we're going to be talking about some basic picture hanging tips if you've got plaster walls. Now, the whole thing that got us going on this, Haley, is your the debacle at your home. It's true. The yeah. water problem that caused this big bubbling. Well, because I so I got a new roof recently, and we talked about you know getting a quote for a roof and what that process is, some tips that I had. And the reason I needed a new roof is because I had some water damage upstairs in a bedroom and I've got plaster walls, plaster ceilings. It's a hundred year old house. And yeah, I start noticing the plaster bubbling a little bit and there's water. So So that got digging and she found all kinds of stuff. So let's dig into it. Let's talk about it. And most of us, if we've got plaster, we we picture, you know, an old house. The walls in my house, yep. a lot of those are plaster. And I know it's a hassle to hang pictures. Yeah. Crumbles away pretty quickly. I feel bad because I've always been really annoyed at plaster in my mm-hmm. house. Like I've lived in a lot of homes with plaster and I, I'm always frustrated about it. Like, oh, these plaster walls, I can't hang anything on them. Or like, you know, they've got cracks and all these things they've got to fix. And now you've got a new appreciation for I it. I do. It's an ancient technology. It actually goes back... Uh, probably further than this. Probably, I believe I've yeah. spotted things talking about 9,000 B.C. plaster of some sort was being used. But for sure, we can trace it back to uses in 7,000 B.C. Yeah, in Egypt. Right. They used it in all kinds of different situations. Well, it's like they used it in the two things that I think of when I think of Egypt, right? So they used it on the pyramids. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to think of the pyramids as being these giant white monuments because today we look at them and you know they're like a sandy brown color and I think we just imagine they always looked like that but no these would have been like glaringly white when yeah, they were first it was a, built a polished <laughs> almost a polished plaster so yeah, yeah in the sun it, it would have been crazy literally brilliant so yes it was used on on the outside and the inside of the pyramids yeah. in little rooms in there and it was also used in the tombs right and you said and even on, on the sarcoph- sarcoph- the sarcophagus <laughs> I knew I was going to stumble. I <laughs> yeah. knew it. Yeah. It's just one of those words. So but used they used that. it on the outside. So they would use the plaster on the outside so they could paint it and make it really you know, beautiful. Yeah. So think about the tombs and you think of all the paintings on the walls, all the people walking sideways. 
you know what, what I'm talking about. <laughs> if anyone could see Dan right now, yeah, he's I'm like doing, doing the walk the with the Egyptians. Thing. Yeah. But anyway, they had to smooth those walls out so they could paint them. And they used plaster to do that. And because they did that, we still have those uh, those pieces of art, right. those paintings to look at. If they had just painted on the stone, the stone has crumbled away. Lots of that, that that's exposed has crumbled the yes, plaster the plaster actually was that's durable dirt. and resilient, and because of it, we have all of these things. The plasterers in Egypt, this is so interesting to me, they were so important that their tools were buried with their pharaoh. And That's pretty wild. We've still got them in the collection. <laughs> you know, There's a collection of them at the University College London, and the floats that they use that we've got in that collection did the same thing. And they look basically the same, the same as the ones today. As the ones today. So that's ancient Egypt. They just nailed it right out of the gate. Absolutely. Now let's move to Greece because the Greeks were big fans. Yeah, huge fans. And in fact, the word plaster comes from uh, the Greek word meaning to dab on. Yeah. Now, in 1700 B.C., vibrant gypsum wall frescoes enlivened Mycenaean living quarters. I think I need an award for getting through that sentence. That was I mean, I could say sarcophagus, so... Yeah. Yeah. So we've got these beautiful wall frescoes, and that's in Greece, and other cultures, of course, followed with that. And then around 1400 B.C., the Greeks kind of created or well, came up with Well, they had like the stucco. first advancement, right? So they added lime into the plaster mixture instead of gypsum, so it was a lot harder. And we think of that as stucco today. That's what we use on the exterior buildings. They were actually using stucco on the interior and exterior oh, of their temples. All so over the super place. strong. Super strong, super cool. The Greeks were rocking it. Now let's go to Rome. Yeah. Just keep keep moving through. The Romans really latched onto the, the material and they mastered it. I, yeah, I feel like they are the masters of plaster. Yeah, they expanded upon a significant discovery made by the Greeks and they actually added puzzolones, pozolones, which po- was volcanic ash. Yeah. Let's just go with that. <laughs> they added That's volcanic ash to the lime plaster mixture and this created a plaster that actually sat in water. Concrete. Concrete. So with that, they constructed roads, aqueducts, and ports that we still have around to this day. And the Roman engineering and like mastering of plaster really culminated in their, you know, architecture of the Pantheon. Because this is still today the largest unreinforced concrete dome that exists. Yeah, think about that. That that's absolutely crazy. to this day. <laughs> All those years ago, that's what they're using. So amazing stuff, right? Amazing advancements. Now let's take a peek at Britain. This is my favorite part yes. of this whole yep. segment. Here in Britain, <laughs> well, there in Britain, the most widespread plastering technique was known as wattle and daub. Daub, yeah. right? Daub. And it was used on timber frame buildings to create walls. Now, to be fair, for what I'm going to say next, to be fair, this ancient technique was used all over the world. But yeah. it's often associated with Britain. We think of it as Britons, but yep. you know, Native Americans used this. It was used in Spain. Right. Everyone was kind of doing right. a similar but technique. But still, we think of it as Britain's thing. The Romans had their thing. They've yeah. got the Pantheon and the right. Greeks and the all of that. Britain's got wattle and daub. <laughs> and now this technique uses reeds or wooden strips that are woven together right. between a timber frame, which was called the wattle, and then it was daubed yes. with a sticky substance, such as wet clay or soil. Now, those things make perfect sense. But animal dung was oh. in the running as well. Well, it was so <laughs> readily available. That's what I want my home covered with. 
Wow, that home that mm. that's interesting. Well, oh, and the smells smell. so homey. Well, it is animal dung. <laughs> I've got three dogs and two cats. Well, they would mix like straw or hair in it to reinforce the materials. And I love the idea of mixing hair into any material. Like <laughs> you that, love that idea. Yeah, that adds like How about an a extra layer. Mm. Oh, oh, an extra layer of gross. Yeah. Okay, you love it in that regard. Yes. Not like that's really appealing to you, because I can't imagine no. a little extra hair in the meatloaf or something like that that's not appealing <laughs> at all. But it does hold it together. It if does. If the meatloaf is crumbling, you know, a good wad of hair, that'll keep it oh really gosh. tight. Anyway, they did all of that. Gross. Then, this is my favorite part, they learned that beer, mm-hmm. beer, eggs, and urine could be added to the plaster <laughs> to make it even stronger. I'm very curious how just, that discovery process went down. It's definitely one of those inventions where you think, how did they figure this out? Like, what <laughs> occurred to have this discovery? Yeah. Well, I dumped in I some beer and it's, it's better. We'll try eggs. Well, that both of those are expensive and kind of, well, wait a minute. <laughs> this is free. I got an idea. <laughs> so anyway, that's Britain's method. And then in the 12th century, England finally gets up to speed. Yeah. You know, and, and really it's just because of necessity. Open fires are being used all over the place and there's timber buildings covered in reed. Is that a great combination? No. So fires were, were of course, a, lot of fires. a problem. Yeah. And plaster really had started to become known throughout Europe for its fire-resistant characteristics. So in the late part of the 12th century, yeah. Henry Fitzalwin, the first mayor of London, he ordered that all cookshop sites be plastered. And then in 1212, a huge fire comes around and destroys many buildings along the Thames and spreads onto the London Bridge. Fortunately, yeah, that had been rebuilt recently. So it was stone and didn't burn to the ground. But a lot of the buildings along the London Bridge Mm -hmm. did burn down. And those were the buildings that were meant to help pay for the reconstruction. Right. The the houses and all of those. So, (laughs) right. This is really bad. Yeah. So when that happens, King John, good King John, he endorsed Henry Fitz Elwin's order and declared that shop owners around the Thames and the London Bridge must... Absolutely must whitewash and plaster inside and out any single house that's covered in reed or rush. And they only had eight days to do this. And if they didn't, it was going to be destroyed. Right. Get on (laughs) it or we're coming to tear your house down. That's how it worked. He further ordered that all houses in which brewing or baking was done also had to be plastered within and without so that they'd be safe from fires. Yeah. All right. Now, at this point, the plaster in England was largely just used as a practical building material. But then... In 1254, the new king, Henry Henry III, (laughs) not to be confused with King Henry VIII, who went through a lot of wives, if I'm remembering correctly. King Henry III, (laughs) not that king. He goes to Paris and he spots all this beautiful ornamental plaster work. Yeah, he's He's, so impressed. He's like obsessed with the plaster in Paris. And so he brings those techniques to England. And very soon the material becomes known as plaster of Paris, which is what we call it today. All right. During the 14th and 15th centuries, decorative plaster really becomes fashionable all over the place. Yeah. Plasterers gain such importance that in 1501, a separate guild and company in London is formed known as the Plasterers Guild. And it was important that the tradesmen were master craftsmen, so a charter was made by Charles II forbidding anyone from carrying on multiple trades. So they couldn't be a plasterer and a mason bricklayer. They just needed to solely be a plasterer 
And he also forbade any one person from exercising the art of plaster without apprenticing for seven years. So you couldn't make like these beautiful ornamentations without first learning that process yeah, under for someone seven for years. seven years. Now, the charter also called for search days, and these existed until about 1832, and it meant that work sites could be just spot inspected. Right, like randomly someone would show up and make sure that you weren't using like inferior materials or, or methods. Um, Your workmanship otherwise. is bad, here's a fine. Yeah. Smack. There it goes. I kind of feel like they should still do that today. No, I think a lot of us still experience that <laughs> when we work on job sites a lot of people show up and while they don't inflict fines upon us they do criticize our workmanship anyway interestingly as white plastered interior surfaces become more and more popular and plasterers are, are right. on so many job sites now painters start to actually become concerned that plasterers are taking over their yeah. trade yeah they're like nervous that they're not going to have jobs anymore so they actually pass an act forbidding plasters from painting in the city of London. Now, it didn't help. The no. painting <laughs> continued to decline, and white plastered ceilings moved into fashion, making plasterers really the supreme decorators of the time. It's true. So it becomes, it's it's that, you know, the main decorating of the time. It also becomes one of the main building techniques used. And by the 18th century, we've got lath and plaster construction that we know Right. That's today. like what our houses would be today. Exactly. So what I've gotten my house. Right. By the 19th century, Portland cement was added to plaster mix, and a guy named Augustine Sackett ends up patenting... Sackett board. Sackett board, which actually <laughs> is really just the first plaster board. Yeah. And then lath and plaster continued to be the main building technique until the 1950s, and that's really when skilled labor became hard to find because of wars, and plaster board was easier and cheaper to install, so finally plaster was replaced. And there you go. Now, while drywall right now is the dominant building technique, you know, maybe we'll go back to the animal dung and urine. <laughs> never know. Boy, I hope so. Yeah, right now, though, we've got to make do with what we've got in its drywall. <laughs> but still, plaster offers tons of advantages. It's superior at insulating and soundproofing. Yeah. Less likely to mold because right. paper can pass through it and is able to dry. So my water damage, not so scary because it's in plaster. Right. It's more fire resistant. Yes. It's generally stronger. Yeah. So, I mean, really, the next time you get frustrated at your plaster rolls, just try to remember that this is a pretty high-end material that most people can't afford to put in their right. homes today. If you've got the real plaster stuff, if you've got the dung and anim, you know, all of that, <laughs> that's not so high-end. You might want to get that taken care of. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got some picture-hanging tips for those of you with plaster walls. That's all next. Stick around. we're back. You're listening to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. And if you listened to the first segment, if you were there from the very beginning to the end, mm -hmm. you received 9,000, almost 10,000 years of history. In 14 minutes. It's pretty amazing. I think that just really speaks to how quickly you can talk, Dan. I, I, I <laughs> I'm trying to talk slower. But it's very difficult for me to do. So Well, when you've got to cram 10,000 years into 14 minutes, it's a real gift. It takes a special person to say it, a special group of people to listen, <laughs> and the audience is a special group of people. Anyway, because that took so long, let's just talk about hanging pictures 
Because it can be a real challenge if you've got plaster walls. You've hung art and you end up walls that look like they've been through like a drive-by shooting. Yes, I know. There's we, holes everywhere. Another segment, <laughs> oh, probably a year ago, right? That's how I described the walls. Yeah. Took me a bunch of different. I was trying to find the space to, you know, the right place to hang it. That was the point of that one. But really, bottom line, I chipped out so many spots. Looked like somebody drove by. It just peppered the house. So thankfully, the art I was hanging was big enough to cover all the bullet holes, the (laughs) nail holes. So there's no big problem. But every now and then, I'll go to just hang a single thing. I'll get it right the first time. Mm -hmm. And then I create this great big divot. I pound my nail in. The nail bends because it's not suitable for the hardness of plaster. So I get a new nail. Same kind. Try it again. (laughs) (laughs) What is that about insanity? Anyway, (sighs) pound that one in. That one usually goes in. Uh-huh. But then a big chunk of the plaster flies exactly. out. Exactly. Fill that, or it's, the nail just gets loose immediately and like tips yeah. over the moment you lots, hang something on lots it. Lots can go wrong. It's not the same with drywall. Drywall is pretty straightforward. Yeah, super easy. How do we deal with plaster? Now let's start with small pictures, things up to about a pound, because Haley has an interesting solution for this. Yes, you've thought that I was ridiculous in the past when I told you this, but I use thumbtacks, just a little brass pushpins, mm-hmm. uh, to hang most of my art in the house. And it works. I've used it for years. Nothing's ever fallen down, and they can hold up to a pound. And when yep. we're talking about prints, I mean, really, that's quite a bit of weight. Not not big frames around it, of course, I'm assuming. Some have right? frames. Some have frames. Yeah. And they're all hanging on multiple thumbtacks? Some use multiple. Okay, yeah. But You've most have of them. Thumbs of steel to get that's these things true. into the That's true. Yeah, wall. I'm stubborn enough. I get those in there. All right. So you're not pounding them because it's just a nail at that no, point. No, exactly. So if you've got lightweight art, mm-hmm. and that's not the quality of the art, that's just the literal <laughs> weight of the art, thumbtacks, that could go. be a solution. If you've got something heavy, you know, something significant, a lot of us tend to lean towards we'll just put some anchors in the wall. Mm-hmm. And you've got to be very specific about the anchors you use. The regular little plastic push-in anchors. It's just going to crumble the plaster. Not going to work. You're yeah. going to need to use a toggle bolt, something that goes all the way through. And then and it like opens up on the other side of the lath and right. that holds it. That will work for the heavier things. What else? A tip. If you're going to use one of those toggle bolts, uh, before you pre-drill that hole so that you can get the bolt in place, tape. Put some painter's tape up on the plaster, and it just helps it from cracking yep. or crumbling a little bit. I do that if I, even when I try, I've done started to do that when I try to pound my little nails in. Oh. <laughs> it has helped. It's still not exactly <laughs> perfect. One last thing, if you've got art that's in between, you know, heavier than sure. the one pound, not as heavy as needing a toggle bolt. Then there are little hooks that you can use. But just make sure you find these little picture hooks that are specific for plaster because the nail attached to that little hook, if it's made for plaster, is going to be a hardened steel. And it's it's super sharp. Super sharp. It's going to pound in much easier. It's not going to bend like mine. Still put tape on it. You can get these things up and looking good. And then enjoy your plaster walls and all the things we talked about in the previous segment. All right, it's time to take a break. The West Side listeners, you're going to get news and weather. East Side listeners, you're going to get a Repco Light Rewind. When we all get back together, we're going to be talking about the painting window. As fall approaches, when should you be working outside? When should you be wrapping things up? We've got all that info just ahead. Stay tuned. Well, Haley, we have had, this past week at least, some amazing fall weather. Have you been out enjoying it? As much as I can, as yeah. As much as you can. 
Okay, that, well, that was boring. You're listening to the Repcolite Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore, and I have been out enjoying it. I have lived the dream. We have squirrels all over our yard because yeah, the squirrels we've got right hickory, a hickory tree, so all the nuts. Yeah, we've got acorns. It's it, wild. Yeah, yeah. So I've been <laughs> enjoying that. The dog has been chasing them down. I did a bunch of weeding. I unearthed a great big nest of bees. And oh. yes, what? I was I was swarmed. And people driving by, they can't see the bees. So you're just dancing around the yard. Right. And then that embarrassed me. And so then I tried to take it calm and just deal with the stings because I'd rather swell up than look stupid. Wow. So anyway. It's amazing that you still host this show then. I I know. I know. I know. I know. Oh, thanks a lot, Haley. I'm sorry. I have had a big fall and having a lot of fun. So So I'm glad that you've gotten outside and gotten stung. That's what I was looking for. Some kind of something fun because we want to talk about fall painting. Yes. You know, we are heading into this great season. We're starting to see the temps start to drop at night and all of those things. And it's usually, or at least it can be, a great time to catch up on some of these exterior projects that we didn't get during the summer because it was so miserably hot. Well, exactly. You know, you don't want to paint in, like, dreadfully hot weather. You look forward to these nice 70-degree days. Yeah. It's ideal. it does make us ask the question, when when does it become too cold to paint? When should I not be doing the the stuff outside? Every year. We talk about it every year, but it's because it's important. And really, the whole whole big question is a legitimate concern because when you're painting, when it is too cold for the paint, you can get a bunch of different problems. Color uniformity. Healing issues. issues. Healing. The inability for the latex paint to form a film. All kinds of yucky stuff. And then when you add moisture into the mix, right? Because now you've rain, got heavy dew in the morning. Yeah. You can get surfactant leaching. It's Nobody wants it. like a silvery substance that comes up. and Sometimes it's silvery. If you get the good kind, it's sometimes it's kind of slimy brown. Yeah. Happens a lot in bathrooms mm-hmm. on those walls. It's really sad when you don't get the silvery, at least the fancy <laughs> there. But you it, don't get the it happens <laughs> outside, and it's really bad. You can clean it off and yeah, deal with it. It's, it's just an eyesore. You don't want to deal with that. You can get bubbling. You can get water spotting, all kinds of real issues when you're painting in weather that's not suitable for it. But that doesn't mean don't paint in fall because it can be a really good time to paint. I know. It's kind of one of those things. You're walking a, walking a razor's edge, but yes. you can navigate this just fine. So we're going to help you with all of that. Now, in an ideal world... Like Haley mentioned right at the beginning, we'd all be painting in the mid-70s. Yeah, be low humidity. in our mid-70s. Right. When you're in your mid-70s, you hire that stuff done, right? <sighs> but the weather, the temp should be 70s. It should be low humidity. There yeah. should be some, some nice tunes going. Maybe a breeze, just a slight breeze, not too much. Something so it's, you're having just a great time. Wow. That's the ideal Princess. world. Right? <laughs> well, I like to be yes. specific. But th- th- that's not what we've got. No. So... We do have low temp paints available for situations like what we're heading into now. And not everybody is aware of the fact, more and more people are becoming aware of the fact because more exterior products are becoming available in low temp versions. Right. There's. We've got a number of them. Repcolate's Endura, that can go down to 36 degrees surface temperature. Benjamin Moore Regal Select, 35 degrees. Aura Exterior, also by Benjamin Moore, that's 35 degrees. And then there's Element Guard, which is a newer product, and that goes down to 35 degrees as well. Right. Now, when we're talking about that, though, we got to remember that we're not just talking about air temp being 35 degrees. Surface temp is also critical. 
And that shouldn't surprise anybody. You know, you've got a black wall in the direct sun that can get hotter than the air town. Right. So we could have surface in the shade that's cooler or colder than the air around than the it. air temp. So you really got to pay attention to not just the air temp, but the surface temperature as well. And I know we threw a bunch of numbers out at you, 35, 36, all of those things. Here's a really simple way to just wrap your brain around it, a good rule of thumb. Yeah. The surface temperature and the air temperature to do your outside painting effectively, even using these low temp paints, right. the surface temp and the air temp should be 40 degrees and higher for at least 24 hours after you paint. It's just like a good basic rule of thumb. Like you know that you're covered if you follow that rule. All right. So that's the temperature part of things. You got to pay attention to that. Let's talk about the other main consideration, which is moisture. Yes. And as with all painting, of course, we've got to have a surface that's dry. And that can be an issue depending on the porosity of the substrate that you're working on. It can take a number of days to dry out after a heavy rain. But then you also have to think about after something's been painted, making sure that it doesn't rain soon after it's been applied. Right. That surface needs to stay dry ideally overnight before you end up with the rain that Haley's talking about or even a heavy dew because both can lead to bubbling in the paint film, the surfactant leaching that we talked about and so on. And that's where we we do have a product that we kind of want to hit pause on all the stuff we're talking about just to highlight. And we mentioned it already. It's Element Element Guard Guard. from Benjamin Moore. It'll go down to 35 degree temps, so low temp like everything else. It's brand new as of, I think, this spring. Yeah, it's a much newer product, and it's kind of taken the market by storm a little bit because it's the only paint that I'm aware of that after 60 minutes of being applied, it's totally water resistant. It can rain, and it's fine. Right. Any moisture is going to be fine as long as it's had 60 minutes to dry. That's nothing. Completely unheard of. Everything else takes overnight. Exactly. You want like at least 24 hours, ideally. 48 if you can get it. Exactly. You're always looking for that. With Element Guard, you've got 60 minutes. And I've known of, you know, painting contractors who've had entire exterior jobs have to be redone because a sudden rainstorm came through in the fall or something like that. Well, and we live in Michigan. You know, the weather app's wrong all the time on my phone. It drives me crazy. Yeah. Element Guard is a safeguard against all of that. So if you've got heavy dew, no problem. Even rain. 60 minutes afterwards, no real problem. I don't know of another product like that. So it's the ideal spring and fall exterior paint. It's reasonably priced on top of it. Yeah, exactly. Really not another reason to use something else. Keep that in mind if you have projects going on outside. So moisture, temperature, those are the main concerns and some some of the paints that you might want to consider. In the little bit that we've got left, let's talk about the painting window itself. You know, when should you be doing this? And ideally, you'd start the fall painting usually around 11 in the morning Mm -hmm. and then probably try to wrap things up around 4. Yeah, it gives the time for dew to dry in the morning and then allows the surface to heat up a little bit. So you've got that nice surface temperature that we talked about. And then quitting around 4 gives the paint film a chance to form before dew sets in again. Right. Now, if you're using Element Guard, again, you don't really have to worry about that. A little bit less worry in terms of those kinds of things. Now, one last quick thought As we're looking at exterior painting and trying to wrap things up uh, before winter sets in and all the despair that that brings, (laughs) keep this in mind. I know, I know. (laughs) Your face just like sunk. It does. (laughs) I I do like winter. It just, you know how it is. It's always this way. But anyway, as we're looking at some of these exterior projects, remember that the paint that you've got is going to take on the temperature of the environment in which it's stored. Yes. Working in this cooler weather, if you leave your paint in the garage overnight, Mm -hmm. it is going to get colder 
and it can be just not not as fun to work with. It, it thickens up. It takes a lot more stirring. If you're going to be working outside, doing some of these things, keep the paint inside. And especially as winter starts to set in, get the right. latex paint out of the garage. Yeah. It's not going to keep well there. No, you always want to have your stored paint in a temperature-controlled environment. All right. I think, does that cover everything? Yeah, that wraps By it up. By all means, stop out at any Repco Light and ask about Element Guard. If you've got exterior work, that's the products you're going to want to use. Definitely. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got eight reasons why you should start your holiday repainting, not decorating, holiday <laughs> repainting right now. That's all next. Stay tuned. Well, Haley, it's September, middle of September. It's time to talk about decorating for the holidays, right? Doesn't that just feel Ooh, completely wrong? I don't like that. Nope, that is not where I want to go. Let's I just don't... say, like, decorating before winter. Well, I, I guess what I wanted to say is just fall. What, what I want this topic to be, this segment to be, <laughs> is eight reasons to repaint for the holidays now. Now, I'm not talking about getting decorated for the holidays. Okay. This isn't putting all the Christmas tree stuff out or the Ugh. the Thanksgiving stuff. Do you know or... I heard Christmas music the other day? I know. I know. It's September, people. I know. I know. It's crazy. That's not what we're talking about. No. We're talking about if you do have repainting to do, now's the time to do it. What we normally see, you know, in the stores, and I'm sure as people, I, I feel this. I do the same thing. I get tied up with other stuff and all, you know, I'm enjoying fall. And then all of a sudden... Thanksgiving is like next week, it feels like. And, well, shoot, I've got people coming over. I should have touched that wall up. I should have done this. And so it's just chaos trying to get things done. Or I don't do it. And then I spend the whole Thanksgiving meal apologizing to everybody who's over there. I know, I know that nail hole over there should have been filled. I'm that person. Anyway, what I'm trying to talk about right now is eight reasons why now's the time to tackle some of these things if you've got them coming up. And here's the first one. Yeah. And it's kind of a big one. You've got time. Yes. And that's very obvious, but we time can break it down. Time to choose the right color. Let's start with that. Time to choose the color the right way. Because that's huge. And it does take time if you're going to do it right. A lot of people like to come in and are kind of rushed, right? We all kind of operate that way. We just want to get it done now. But really, choosing the right color is a multi-step process. <laughs> right. You want to look at the color in your lighting. You know, you don't want to choose your paint color for really any project. Just no. by looking at the chips in the store, in the lighting in the store, and making your call that way. You want to go home and take a look at it. If you do it now, planning on this is getting ready for the holidays, you've got all the time you need right. to take it home, look at it in your lighting, and even better yet, narrow down your choices to one or two colors and actually get a color Samples. sample. Because really, there's no better way to view a color than an actual paint on your wall. Because just the texture alone of your wall can change the way that color looks to you. Mm -hmm. And of course, as things get larger, the color changes to our eye as well. So don't make a color mistake. Just take all the right steps and you'll get it right. Right. So that's the first thing. One other thing along those lines, not that everybody follows color trends, but Benjamin Moore's color of the year. It's coming out soon. Middle of October. Yep. So if you are interested in that, hang around, watch for that, and maybe that will help influence the color choices you make. We don't always recommend that. But if you love what they pick for the color of the year, who knows? That's coming out in October. <laughs> so you've also got time, not just to pick your color right, right. but time to bring wallpaper into, into the design should True. you want to. When you're limited to what people have in stock, you get just a smattering of options. There are so many options out there, so many beautiful patterns. Yeah. 
But if you don't, you know, if you're doing this decorating or this repainting too close to the holidays, you don't have time to peruse a book. You're just depending on a home store that might have a few cheaper rolls in stock for you to choose from. You're just not going to get the best quality one and also maybe not the right pattern for your space ultimately. Right. So starting now gives you more options. You can bring wallpaper in. Wallpaper brings in pattern, color, texture, so many different things. You don't have to do whole rooms, I would single say walls. it's like the biggest change in design that we've seen lately is really that people are just gravitating towards wallpaper again. Yeah, very exciting. And it would be nice to be able to use that should you decide to. Starting now gives you time to do that. You've got time to do the project the right way. Yes. This, you know, it's always the Achilles heel. We, we can pick the colors right. We can get all the stuff right. But if we've got this deadline, mm-hmm. we don't have time to do everything right. And the things I'm talking about are like prep work. Good yeah. prep work is absolutely fundamental for a project. Yeah, it, and no one to wants successful. to wash a wall, but a lot of times we think we don't have time to do those things either. Just a lot like of you times said. we set ourselves up and we don't have time to do those things. Yes. So we've <laughs> got to make do with what we've got. And then you deal with problems because the prep work is important. You know, washing the walls and letting them dry. I don't know how many times I've brushed through cobwebs. Oh, yeah. And now it's in my paint. Yeah. It's in my finish. It's a it's mess. It's ridiculous. Just because I didn't take the time. Uh, you know, washing the walls down, that's important. But even down to filling nail holes, sanding mm-hmm. your trim, you know, if that needs to be scuff sanded or something like that. All of these things, filling nail holes, that yes. spackle takes time to dry. Right. You've got to give it that time. And sanding it and doing all of Starting those Starting now means you've got time to do everything right and not feel rushed. All right. Finally, you've got time to get everything back together before people are over. So no rushing that way. That's the first one. You've got time. Second reason you want the to start pressures this now. off right i mean if you don't have this big dinner that's looming in the future no parties or events coming up that you've got to attend elsewhere mm-hmm. again more time but you just you don't have the pressure right none of the holiday busyness is happening right now that's a really nice thing so that's reason number two reason number three Maybe it's a little bit weird, but you can open the <laughs> windows and you can ventilate right now. You know, no, even, that is nice. Even water-based paints have an odor and some people really don't like it. Some of us really love it. Some people don't. But this way you can open those windows <laughs> Some and ventilate. Some of us really love it. I love That's the smell hilarious. of fresh paint. It makes me feel like everything's clean. Sometimes I just leave a can open and it makes me think the house is clean. I know that doesn't make sense. I'm a person that opens windows, so I appreciate this tip. (laughs) Well, yes, the further we go into the air, you can still open them. Yeah, but it's cold. It's way worse. So now you can open those windows and ventilate. That's great. Here's another reason, reason four. You've got an increased workspace. True. If you're going to do something like cabinets where you need the garage to lay things out, put things on sawhorses and actually do it the right way. Even if you have to be outside, right on the driveway, we have good enough weather right now with the right day. You can get out there and do certain things. Once it starts to get really cold, once all of that starts to move in, yuck, 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 all of a sudden all you've got is what you've got in the house, your basement and your main living area. Think about that. Increased workspace, that's reason number four. Reason number five, better lighting. It's maybe not great at this time of year, but it's way better than it's going to be in a month. Yeah, it starts getting dark so fast, and you just don't have the best lighting to be working in. Working in your house, we've all got the lights that we've got, and we can get shop lights out, but there's nothing better than having the light coming in from outside. Right now, we still have some of that light. Take advantage of it. It's going to help you. 
How about number six? You can enjoy the fruits of your labor all winter long. Right, because there's nothing worse than being stuck inside all winter with these projects that you wish that you could be working on, and you're just waiting for spring now, right? Well, like, it, let's enjoy the season that we're in and enjoy your house, feel good in your space. Well, winter comes, and when winter comes, I promise everybody out there will be telling you now's the time to paint some of these things inside. But nobody feels like exactly, it. exactly. So now, not that everybody feels like it now, but man, how fun that would be to just sit back in the winter and know that everything's taken care of. Yes. Now I can gain my thirty pounds of winter fat, <laughs> guilt free. <laughs> Think about that. That's how that works. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So that's reason number six. Reason number seven, and now we're starting to get to the important stuff. You can save some money. And we've yes. got a great deal coming up. So this is kind of a sales pitch, but this is good stuff. And this is probably the biggest offer we've made for our text savings program ever. Yeah, it's true. So we've got a text program. You basically just sign up as a DIYer and you get one, maybe two texts every month. That's yep. it. And they're just offers, right? It's things like $5 off, $10 off, special sales that are for you. Right. This particular month, the savings for October, I should say, September's is a $10 one. So if yep. you sign up today, you're going to get a text right away that tells you you're going to save 10 bucks on any one purchase at Repcolite. You can use that until the end of September. Yep. But then when October comes, if you're signed up for this program, you're going to get one text right away, beginning of October, and you're going to save 25% off the retail price on any one purchase all October long. It's a huge savings. So if you've got a couple of big projects coming up, you can net yourself a 25% savings on that purchase yeah. just for signing up to the text program. And it's easy. I've got links in the show notes if you want to check it out there or just go to the homepage at repcolite.com. Or head into a store and we can help you do it there. Absolutely. Let's get to the last reason, the eighth reason. And this is why many people are still listening to us because we promised <laughs> at the beginning. Don't say that. Uh, no, no, no. But <sighs> I'm a realist. Mm -hmm. We said at the beginning that we were going to give away $200 gift certificates. Two $100 Yes. Gifts are, it's very important Multiple that we clarify. Multiple $100 <laughs> gift Yes, and we're going to do that every weekend moving forward till the end of October. So this weekend, let's get that moving. All you need to do is email us at radio at repcolite.com. Radio at repcolite.com. We'll you take can, the third and the tenth name. Right. You can say anything in that email that's kind. And That's polite. Kind. You don't even have to say anything. Just send us your emails. Radio at repcolite.com. We'll take the third and the tenth email yep. and let you know right away if that's you. And you'll win the $100 gift certificate to Repcolite. We'll pick two of you. And then next week we'll do it again and again and again all the way through October. And that way, just think of that. You can take advantage of that text savings program. And use this $100 gift certificate. I mean, you could really get some work done. Yeah, absolutely. Now's the time to tackle these projects. Don't wait till you're closer to the holidays. All right, that's all the time we've got. We're going to have to wrap this one up. If you want to catch it again, you can find it online at repcolite.com. When you go there to check it out, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Exactly. You'll never miss another episode. All right, whatever you do today, make sure paint's a part of it. The Repcolite stores are all open, waiting to help. I'm Dan Hansen. I'm Haley Johnson. Thanks for listening.